I'm really excited about the holidays. What can I say? Me too. I'm looking for my whole family is threatening to get matching pajamas because we're all we like rented a house together. Threatening? Oh, your whole family. <laughs> yes, we're all gonna maybe get matching pajamas. I think that's cute. Do you? I just lean into it. <laughs> I really like. <laughs> Yeah. Now I'm mad at people who potentially would get mad at that. Like, what does anyone else care? You're going to be with your family in a house? Like, where, uh-huh. whatever. Bye, fine. Jillian Pensavale. Patrick Hines. Ba-da-dum. Girl, before we get to the show, yeah. you guys, the Patreon. Lady Pates, <laughs> she has arrived. She's arrived. If you're looking for more Jillian and me, and as I always say, who can blame you? Uh-huh. If you want our episode. <laughs> I'm waiting for you to copyright that, like Taylor Swift, like trademarked Welcome to New York or whatever, or Shake It Off. I was just going to say, you seem to get a particular kick out of it this week. <laughs> just because you see, you always say it like you just came up with it, but you've been saying it. It's like part of your whole shtick now. Uh-huh. If you want to hear our episode by episode coverage of Serial, The L- Staircase. Lorena. Making a Murderer. OJ. Lacey Anthony. Lacey Peterson. Oh, Lacey Peterson. You guys, I, I, I gotta tell you, the Lacey Peterson thing is messing me up. Yeah. I've got a lot of really, really, every week I'm like, he did it, he didn't do it. He did it, he didn't do it. There's a lot happening here. But I, I know. But I feel a lot of feelings. I know, me too, me too, me too. The whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it. But if you want ad-free episodes, mm-hmm. the after party, just go to patreon.com slash obsessed. You can find it all there. Yeah, some ringtones. It's fun. If you want to stop by Lady yeah. Pates, uh-huh. that's cool. If you don't, that's also cool. We also love you no hard feelings. Do you. You do you. Girl, what are we talking about today? We're talking about the much requested killing for love. Ooh, yeah. We, we are doing that. We, <laughs> we had some complicated feelings about this. Yes. I felt very strongly just to start. It, it's this sort of Fiona Apple sounding slash like <laughs> House of the Rising Sun version of I Put a Spell on You. And you know that we both love that song because of the Sanderson sisters. Yes. <laughs> but I also love cool like sexy creepy versions of songs uh-huh, like that's uh-huh, another uh-huh. it's like just everything Fiona Apple does I'm like yes but at first I was like oh this is like sexy and creepy and weird I am in a hundred zillion percent mm-hmm. and then other things happen <laughs> yes they did girl they did. yes they did <laughs> dear Liz I love you je t'aime ich liebe dich promise me Jens whatever it takes now promise me you will not let me ruin your life Is Elizabeth Hasten a beautiful and intelligent murderer or the victim of an obsessive relationship with a cold-blooded killer? Please, my darling Jens, you won't leave me to take the rap alone. Do you state that and cut her on the left side of her neck just as you'd cut Mr. Hasten? Mrs. Hasten started screaming and she was holding her neck like this. There's no way this little boy could have done that kind of damage to somebody. I brought all the files in, read all the police reports, and I said, this man is innocent. We've got the wrong man. He was so possessed over that girl, she did nothing but use the boy in order to get to her parents. Sweetie Pie, I can't wait to get you all to myself. Dear Sweetie, I love you so very much. Forever yours, Jens. I think somebody else is involved in this murder, and this is a way to check and see. If nobody follows up on it, we possibly could still have a murder suspect running around out of here. Was vor mir war, eine schöne junge Frau, die ich schrecklich liebte und die in Todesgefahr war. Das war's, was mir durch den Kopf ging. It is a far, far better thing I do than I've ever done. 
opens with a, we're seeing the outside of a house. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden we are seeing just these horrendous crime scene photos. I mean, this is a very violent, bloody crime. These these photos are super disturbing. I always am very conflicted. I mean, it's one thing to show like from a distance or to blur it out. Like they zoom in on the faces of these dead people. It's really, really terrifying. And then this movie does that thing like all the oxygen shows do where it's like, here's what's coming up. It's right. like 10 minutes of like coming up on Killing for Love because we get like the members of the jury reached a verdict. We, the jury, find the defendant guilty of first degree murder of Derek William Reginald Hasem and Nancy Anster Hasem and fix punishment and imprisonment for life. June 21st, 1990, we, the jury, find the defendant guilty. And I'm like, okay, right. all right, <laughs> good to know. And so we get a lot of, like, the end. And uh-huh. then we go back and figure out, like, guilty, you say. Right. Let's dissect that. Here's my question, though. They find this guy guilty, and then all of a sudden he's getting in a car that's not a police car and being driven away. Uh-huh. Where's it going? Don't know. Right. <laughs> Don't know. The, the guy in question, his name is Jens Soaring. Yes. But it's spelled J-E-N-S. Yeah. As it happens with f- people from foreign places, they have their own alphabet. Well, no. It's, <laughs> we, we also have Y and J I just, here in America. I just mean that they... <laughs> but they pronounce it differently is what Steve just banged his head slowly against the shower wall uh-huh. hearing me say that. Yeah. I don't mean they have their own alphabet. I just mean that like their letters sound different than ours right. do. Sometimes they do, but in Germany, not so much. So Jens Soaring is guilty of killing Derek William Reginald Hasem and Nancy Astor Hasem. And he's sentenced to life in prison. Yes. And I'm like, okay, case closed, Great. right? No. <laughs> Why does this movie still have an hour and 62 minutes left to go? <laughs> That's two hours in one minute. (laughs) When people ask me, like when you ask people how old their babies are and they're like, oh, they're 77 months. That makes me crazy. (laughs) Just say they're two and a half or whatever. They'll be 138 months tomorrow. Aren't they great? They're gifted too. They're genius. Well, yeah, because they're fucking 18 years old. Can you believe they speak in full sentences and they can draw? Yeah, because they're an actual teenager. We got to put a stop to that. So we have to put an end to that 36 months thing. That's insane. How did that happen? I don't know who started it, but I'm going to end it. I've had it. That's insane. You guys, you made her mad. We're only three minutes into the recording and you made her mad. I just don't understand like why, you, like why do you do that? I know. I don't know. They're 24 months. They're two years old. Well, now we're in Bedford, Virginia, and we meet these investigators, Chuck and Ricky. Yeah. (laughs) It seems like Chuck and Ricky haven't spoken in a long time. No, they have not. We never see them together. They disagree from beginning to end. But they worked on this investigation, I guess, together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, Chuck is a former investigator, and Ricky is still an investigator. Uh They work together, haven't seen each other since. (laughs) Lots of bad blood here. (laughs) But at first, like I'm like, oh, okay, these these we're we're talking to the two guys who were there, uh-huh. and then we realize their right. relationship really fell apart. Yeah. <laughs> I was an investigator for the sheriff's office. It's around three o'clock that Wednesday afternoon, we got the call. It came over the radio. Ricky was there too. Ricky and I worked side by side, hand in hand. Chuck Reed and I lived this case the amount of overkill that was involved and the amount of blood that was there. It was just, it, I'd never seen anything like that before. Stepped inside and it was like a, stepping inside of a slaughterhouse. 
Ricky spends a good, like, the final third of this movie just screaming at the camera. They're really mad. Both, they're just, because they're arguing. Then it becomes I, like, I know. like the FBI agent is mediating I, their <laughs> lover's spat. It's, it's getting, true. you guys, it's no spoilers, but it gets ridiculous. Yeah. And so we hear, again, how gruesome the, the crime scene was. They showed up. They didn't know who did it. They thought maybe it was a random killing. Nobody knows, but it was gruesome and disgusting and very violent. Yeah. And then suddenly it's like, after we see all these gruesome crime scene photos, we see nude photos of someone named Elizabeth. Upstairs in Miss Hayson's art room, we found some photos of Elizabeth, her and daughter in the nude. She was kneeling down side of her bed like she was praying. In front of her was a Shakespeare book. The photos were taken kind of from the side. We just had heard, you know, kind of relationship between her and her mother. And we find out that the daughter of the dead people, Mm -hmm. her name is Elizabeth. And we hear, it's sort of teased at this moment that, like, Elizabeth had a very strange relationship with her mother. Right. So these nude photos, Elizabeth is praying, like, to Shakespeare. Right. (laughs) Or something. They're really, like, look, these weren't necessarily, like, tasteful nudes. But also it's a very odd mother-daughter dynamic. We learn now. We'll get back to it in about three hours. Now it's October 6th, 1987. Elizabeth is taking the stand. Yeah, it's her guilty plea hearing. And I'm like, wait, what the what? Right. So Elizabeth is like pleading guilty to having some involvement with her parents' murder. Right. She also refers to herself as Lady Macbeth. And when asked, she just says, yes, that's correct. (laughs) Ms. Hasten, you refer to yourself as Lady Macbeth. Yes, sir. Your Shakespeare is certainly much better than mine. But it seems to me, if I recall, Lady Macbeth encouraged old Macbeth to commit murder, didn't she? Yes, she did. And then they ask her about this. Did, did you have a sexual relationship with your mother? And she just stares. She I says know. nothing. And they have to ask her like again and again. And she's like, I didn't say that. No. And I'm like, wait, what? And then they just start fighting. You did state you had a full-blown sexual relationship with your mother? I didn't put it that way, no, sir. How did you put it? Well, Investigator Gardner asked me about the photographs that my mother took of me. It says, your mother's been butchered? Yes, she has, sir. You called her a liar and an alcoholic. I did not Was call her Was she a sexual abuser? Did she sexually abuse you? If she didn't, for God's sake, clear her name now. She's, like, arguing <laughs> with someone on the stand. So, like, with the prosecutor. Because the prosecutor's like, for goodness sake, <laughs> for Pete's sake, if she didn't abuse you, then clear this woman's name. Right. Because you've accused her of doing so. So if that's not the case anymore, set the record straight and say that she didn't. But if she did, then we have to deal with that. <laughs> like, like right. don't talk shit and then be like, I don't know. I don't know her gift. Like, come on. She looks crazy to and, me. And she's got that Madonna British accent. Like, right. we meet her family later. Like, no one else had a British right. accent in her family. Her brothers are like, what the fuck? But she's just like, yes, I'm, I'm Lady Macbeth. Yes. Right. yes, I am. Thank you so much for asking. She's a little Patty Peterson. Yeah. Only she's like the British version. But is she British? I don't know. <laughs> And then, like, we go... So this film uh-huh. goes back and forth in time a lot. Yes, it does. So now we're back to the crime scene, but it's present day, and we meet Suzanne and John, and they're the <laughs> present owners of the Hasem house. The house where these people were brutally murdered. Hey. Hey, John. How y'all doing? Yeah. Great to see you, man. Good to see you. Yeah, come on in. The last time I was in here, it was a mess. They are totally fine with getting a tour of the murder that took place in the house that they currently live in by Chuck, the investigator. Yes. They're like, oh, really? They're like very 
it's strange. I don't know if they're just like, you don't know how to handle it because the camera's there and they're like, what do we do? I do think that like the wife in this duo is less comfortable with it because the more this guy Chuck, the investigator, is telling them, the bigger her like fake grin gets. They look like people who had heard rumors that somebody had died there and now they're being shown the horrible crime scene murder photos from their dining room. Mr. Hayson was here. He was laying right here. Miss Hayson was right here. Her head was was right here. She was laying like this. And supposedly, Jens supposedly was over here and got up and walked around behind Mr. Hayson and come across his throat this way. All I know is that Chuck the investigator sits down with them and he's giving them more information. They don't speak. They are just staring at him in utter horror. As they should be. They're like, we didn't want to know this. Yeah, they were just like, oh, camera crew, honey. (laughs) Oh, get the the little finger sandwiches. Cucumber sandwiches and lemonade. And then they're like, oh my God, we have to move. So then we meet Jens, right? He's the guy that we find out in the beginning was also found guilty. Right. And this is a little like a little teaser of what we eventually learn over the rest of the movie, which is like Elizabeth used him. He was obsessed with her. Just to be clear, Elizabeth is the one that was on the stand referring to herself as Lady Macbeth. These are the two at the center of this movie. Right. And then cut to 2014 at Buckingham Correctional Facility. We're meeting Jens. I know. He is he is a narrator. <laughs> Pretty unreliable. Yeah. Throughout the rest of this. And he only speaks German. Right. I, it's weird. He walks in and I just have in my notes, this guy is all smiles. He's very happy. He yeah. looks like, <laughs> I, I can't wait for Documentary Now to do this. Uh-huh. Because he looks like Fred Armisen. He really, really does. Oh, God, I love Documentary I, Now so much. <laughs> this is just the beginning. Because he's telling the filmmaker, look, you're going to want to get all of this right now. And this is, this is in German, so we can't play. Right. Yeah, he's saying, like, I suggest filming as much as possible this time because you never know if this is going to be allowed again. But this is the beginning of them cutting to a shot of, I guess, the filmmaker? It's like the filmmaker and the, like, corrections officer that escorted him in. The correction officer (laughs) is all of us because she's actually... Think about, like, she's listening to a story she doesn't care about in a language she doesn't speak. She could not care less. But yet she has to sit there through the whole thing and she doesn't give a fuck, this woman. Right. And the thing is, so he's saying again in German, he's like, I brought my other glasses as well. Which pair do you prefer? And he's like, these? No? Did everyone look at him? Okay. These? Brille, bevorzugt ihr diese oder diese? Es kommt auf euch an. Es ist euer Film. And then he's like, it's up to you. It's your movie. And I'm like, who cares? I know. Glasses. I know. So Jens is telling us, like, we get this narration of this, like, letter from Elizabeth to Jens saying, like, I fucked up my life. Don't fuck up your life from, like, back in the day. And it, it's back to Jens now. And he's basically saying, like, I did this for love. I am in this jail for the rest of my life because of this love that I thought that I had. But it turns out I never even knew her. Right. There was no love. Yeah. And, you know, this letter from Elizabeth, she just keeps saying, like, promise me, Jens. Whatever it takes now, promise me you will not let me ruin your life. I've seriously fucked up on mine. Don't let me destroy yours. This is the first real and good thing I have ever done. I would kill myself if I discovered you were compromising yourself for me. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. (laughs) It's like Elizabeth girl. It's too late, sweetheart. Yeah, like what do you do? Like you can't. The train has left the station. (laughs) 
the thing that doesn't make any sense about this letter is that it's her saying to him, save yourself. I went down for this. Don't you go down for this. Right, right, right. And then for the entire rest of the movie, we just see the two of them blaming each other for this murder, and they're both saying they had nothing to do with it. Right, and so much of it is in letters. It's crazy. I know. And so we're back to the courtroom with Elizabeth from the 80s. Yeah. And she's talking about her childhood, and she's saying she went to all these fancy schools, but her parents never visited her, and they never went to the sporting events or performances, and she's painting this picture of being, like, totally neglected. Yeah. How much contact did you have with your mother and father? They never came to to my successes or failures while I was at school. They never saw me play a lacrosse match. They never saw me perform. I started having some problems at school. My father adored me, and he saw me as being perfect. And so we meet Carlos Santos, who's a reporter. Yeah. And he's like, well, you know, at first it seemed like this random murder of two very well-known, prominent people. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I guess her parents were like pillars of the community. Right. And he's talking about like, you know, what an unconventional beauty Elizabeth was. And she has this way of speaking and a charm about her and all this <laughs> stuff. And When she walked into a room, you, you straightened your spine a bit because she just seemed like she knew a lot. She's very worldly, very articulate, smart, obviously. But he's like, on the other hand, you could tell instantly everything she's saying is a lie, and she's also really good at lying. Yeah, and then he does this thing where he's like, I would really like to interview her. And you're like, oh, okay, so she's still alive. Right. Because we've met everybody else involved in this. We've met them, but we have not met her. And, and we never and do. we won't. <laughs> And so, like, on the stand, she's talking about her parents were never supportive and she wanted to change her school schedule and her father said no. And in response to that, she ran away and started doing a lot of LSD and heroin. I completely overreacted. I I ran away. I was using drugs extensively. What types of drugs were you using? A lot of LSD and I was doing a lot of heroin. Heroin. <laughs> and the judge actually goes, you were doing what? I, know. I wrote, the judge does not know what heroin is. And she calmly turns around and just goes, heroin. The same way she said it the first time. Uh-huh. And uh, the uh, little asterisk is like, you dumb bitch. Like, what do you think I said? <laughs> So at the same time, she's like, they neglected me. They never came anywhere. They never watched me in any of my performances. Right. And then in the same breath, she's like, they controlled every aspect. They paraded me around. My mother would show up at odd hours of the day and night. And I'm like, but wait, I thought they didn't give a shit about you and they never visited you at school. Uh-huh. In the same breath, she's contradicting herself. <laughs> performances. But they never came to my performances. <laughs> Patty Peterson did <didn't> <laughs> And she even has the like the gall to say, I was resentful of this attention. The attention that you said 45 <laughs> seconds ago that you never got ever. Like, who is falling for this? Yes. Right. So Jens is telling us how they met. They went to UVA together. He was like a freshman. She's a junior. And we get the, like a lot of weird information. They meet at a barbecue. Mm-hmm. She doesn't seem like the kind of girl that barbecues. But whatever. Here we are. Yeah, whatever. Pass the potato salad, Jens. Yeah. Not that German kind, though, Jens. I want the mayonnaise kind from What's America. What's the German potato salad? It's no. made with mustard or something. Ooh, okay. It's not as good as it sounds. All right. <laughs> I'll never know. <laughs> Elizabeth was two years older than him. And identified as a lesbian. That too. That's <laughs> pretty important. It's so crazy because we never hear, well, I guess we kind of hear about a maybe lesbian fling that she had. Right, right, right. But like Jens is so proud of the fact that everybody on the campus wanted her. All the men, all the women, because she identified as gay. But like Jens got her. This like puny German guy, two I years know. younger. Like he, it's like she was manipulating you from the beginning. Whatever. My first thought of him was that he was, he was very rude, he was very hostile, he was very aggressive. 
but he was also very brilliant. You know, like we learned like Liz, she had scholarships and he had scholarships and he we are learning that they were like so smart. Right. You guys, they were like the smartest people on campus. And she was beautiful and had all these crazy stories. And he was from Germany. But like the point is, they were just the smartest people in the room, no matter what room they were in. And I'm like, but interesting that Jens couldn't see that he was being played from day from one. the beginning. She looked she was looking around and she's like, who can I get to take the fall for me killing my parents? Oh, that guy. Yeah, that guy. That little puny guy with the mustard potato salad. There he goes again. <laughs> mustard. So this is where we see more of the letters that they're exchanging back and forth and Elizabeth becomes obsessed with her parents dying. I got carried away on many occasions. Um, it becomes very surreal. And would it be possible to hypnotize my parents to voodoo on them? To voodoo on them. Will them to death. Will them to death. It seems my concentration on their death is causing them problems. I think I shall seriously take up black magic. And she's having like dreams and visions about it. And she's talking about like wanting to like actually like become a witch to make it happen. She's like, I wonder if I could hypnotize my parents to death. Right. And I'm like, hypnotize your, okay. She's like, what about that voodoo thing? I'm like, I thought you were so worldly and wise with all your scholarships. Don't you know about this? Mm-hmm. And the thing is, she was like, I'm a writer and I, I express my heart on paper. Right. And it was like a big like honor that Jens was able to see her writing about her like wishing her parents would die. Right, right. Like she made everything seem like, oh, if I'm sharing this with you, you're really special. Jens, wake up with your right. 16 scholarships. Right. <laughs> so Elizabeth is starting her manipulation of Jens. Her whole point in being with this guy is either to get him to kill her parents or to be the idiot who takes the fall when she kills her parents. Right. And so we're back on the stand in the 80s with Elizabeth at her, you know, pleading guilty trial or right. whatever. And she's saying that like, look, I was complaining to Jens all the time about my parents and he really wasn't quite satisfied with their level of support for me. He was angry on my parents. They weren't providing me with sufficient funds and they were supposed to be so incredibly wealthy, which is not true. He wanted to go down to my parents' home and to sort it out with them. So this is where, like, she's planting the seed that her parents were murdered by Jens, who ostensibly went to her parents' house to, like, have a talk with them. Because he was so in love and so obsessed with her. And, like, how dare the love of his life not be treated the way he wanted her to. And, like, Liz is like, I just couldn't help it. I was just writing letters about how terrible they were and how much I wanted them to die. Right. And then suddenly this kid who's obsessed with me gets these crazy ideas in his head. Right. And by the way, you guys, he didn't do it. He didn't do it. But but this is her story, and she is sticking to it. Sticking to it. So now we get a letter from Jens. Which is read in English, thank you, <laughs> filmmakers. And he's asking her to come over for drinks right. and a dip in the jacuzzi. Dear Liz, I love you. Je t'aime. Ich liebe dich. How you feel about a couple of drinks back at my place? I have this new jacuzzi. Wild baby, wild. Wild baby, wild. Wild baby, wild. <laughs> and then the, he signs the letter where it's like, it's me again. The Yens, lying in his bed at 22 minutes past midnight. The Yens? The Fonz, you are not. You are not Arthur Fonzarelli. Don't even try it. It's me again. The Yens. Wild, baby. Wild. Wild. So on the stand, Liz is, I'm just calling her Liz. Yeah. um, Is asked about like, so what did you do after Yens killed your parents? And she tells us that like, Yens kills her parents and all the while she's been at the movies. I was at the Rocky Horror Picture Show. And she went to see the Rocky Horror Picture Show. So we Say got- it! <laughs> I was like, ooh, fun! 
I know. Where are Fun. And he picks her up, having just murdered her parents. I do want to point out that Elizabeth on the stand takes a moment to say, like, it was amazing. I mean, you can't imagine Jens doing anything. He's a little wimp. Yeah, he, she's like, it was truly extraordinary. It's extraordinary to think about it, really. Just think about it. My little Jens. The Jens committing murder. It's just extraordinary. It's extraordinary. I mean, Jens is just, he's a wimp. You can't imagine him doing something like that. It's extraordinary. So again, this is Liz's story of what happened, of, of how her parents died. It's not, this is not what happened. You guys, we meet another P.I., Dave Watson P.I. I love it, too, because every time we meet an actual P.I., I just think of you saying that people who are P.I.s love being P.I.s. Tell me I'm wrong about Dave Watson. Dave Watson <laughs> loves his job. It's very loves, true. Loves his job. I was hired by an attorney by the name of Gail Ball. She didn't think that Jens Soaring was guilty of this, and I felt there's a lot of things missing. And so this is where we learn that when the mom who was murdered opened the door, she was in her robe. And and Dave Watson, the PI, is saying to us, like, girl. It occurred to me that Mrs. Hasem would never entertain strangers in such attire who might be close enough to her that she would feel comfortable entertaining in a nightgown and robe. We're dealing with... Uh, somebody's close to these people. Which which is the daughter, Liz. Right, who was not on heroin at the time. Right. No matter how many times she says she was, you guys, she was not. The more she says it, right. the more I'm like, no, there's no way. So we're back to the trial and Liz is on the stand and one of the lawyers is like, so you mopped up the blood, correct? Like in the house where your parents were murdered. And she goes, I never mopped up any blood in any house. <laughs> and you think that's going to be it, right? Right. Like she's saying like, I was never there. And she goes, professional cleaners mopped up the blood. <laughs> Like, what are uh-huh. you saying? And so then they're saying, like, okay, well, your older brother told authorities that you went back to the house and cleaned it. And I'm like, oh, shit, she has a brother? I know. I thought that she's got two. And then they're like, and on top of that, we also have one of your friends saying that you were cleaning around the fireplace and you said something about, like, oh, here I am just cleaning up my dad's brains. And she's like, no, sir, it wasn't around the fireplace. It was around the door where I made that joke about my dad's brains. It's rather inaccurate. It was not around the fireplace. It was around a door. And I'm like, what (laughs) is happening? You're correcting people about when you made the joke about your dad's brains. We also get a whole thing about how like one of her mother's friends was there when she was there cleaning. There was like bloody sock prints left at the scene. And she's taking her shoes off and comparing her own foot to the bloody sock prints. Right. This woman, Annie Massey, sees her. So Annie reports this to the police, obviously. Right. So then back in the day when Ricky and Chuck were friends and they were working on the case together, they get a call that Liz had has fled the country. Right. And w- and then we find out that like Jens has gone with her. You guys, they have abandoned ship. Right, because three days earlier, Jens was being interviewed by the cops. Right. And they're like, look, we know you didn't do this. We need like sample DNA samples so we can totally eliminate you. And he's like, um, I'll let you know if I've decided to comply. Right. Nope. They just go to England. <laughs> Where we learned that they start just passing bad checks. And I was thinking about how like, my God, you could never get away with something like this now. No. So now we meet Richard Zorn, who's really emotional about this whole thing. Right. He's a former assistant deputy attorney general from Virginia. It's, oh it's a mouthful of a, of a he's, title. He's crying in two seconds because he's friends with Jens's dad. And the important thing to know about Jens's dad, he's a diplomat working in the United States. In the consulate. That's the whole reason Jens is here. Right. And so he, so Jens's dad calls Richard and is like, girl, it's an emergency. Can you please pick me up at the airport? And Richard is like, of course, I and, will. And he's like, it was a real terrible day. <laughs> It's terrible. He said, I have a problem. Would you pick me up at the airport? I said, of course I would. It was an awful day. It's true. It's a terrible day. Like, it is. But Richard's like, girl. (laughs) 
they go straight from the airport to the University of Virginia. And of course, they're not there because right. they fled the goddamn country. Right. And Jens writes a letter to the police about it. I know. And which he like, he says, he's like, I'm writing this in English for their benefit. Remember all the scholarships we were told about? Right. These people are idiots. I'm sorry. They're not geniuses. But Jens is literally saying to the cops of this letter, like, I know you're going to go through my stuff. Could you just please not make a huge mess and then give it back to my dad? Leave them in a decent state and give them to my parents. <laughs> I suggest that you continue your investigation. Do you? Thanks, Jens. Now that we have your fucking permission, we'll go right on top of that, Rose. Like, give me a break. He's like, I, I didn't do it. I know that fleeing the country without complying with any of the requests from the police is going to make me look super guilty. I swear I didn't do it, but this hot girl that I really like mm-hmm. is trying to get me to leave with her because she probably did it. So I got to go. Yeah, she goes, I must go for there is much to do. Please be kind to my parents. XOXO Jens. The Jens. It's like, What? And then present day Jens is like, oh, yeah. So, like, the minute I put the stamp on that letter and put it in the mailbox, I was like, shit, I'm a fugitive. Uh-huh. Like, oh, my God, I just fled the country. Like, it, it hit him pretty soon. But he's like, well, she's pretty and she wants me to pass these bad checks. I so <laughs> I guess I'm Frank Abagnale now. Come catch me if you can. But then he, he writes a letter to his younger brother and he's like, And Kai, take the Shiroko and the two accounts and find yourself a good college. And for Christ's sake. Don't become a dentist. But I swear to God, man, don't you dare become a dentist. For Christ's sake, don't become a dentist. What? <laughs> Why can't he become a dentist if he wants to be? He's like that little elf from Rudolph. I love him. <laughs> What's his name? Kirby. <laughs> you know that Rudolph Kirby. is Daisy's favorite movie. She watches it all year long. She thinks I'm cute. <laughs> oh, I love it. Little Herbie just wanted to be a goddamn dentist. And what was the problem? Like, no, let him be a dentist. Right. <laughs> Not everyone is cut out to be a Christmas elf. I'm just saying. If you have a passion for that right. <laughs> do it the Hermie. world needs it you guys it's true so they finally get arrested in London like they're really bad at passing bad checks and they kind of fuck it up one day and the cops chase them into the tube station and they get arrested right and they're arrested for bad checks and possible drug trafficking because Liz is like we can always deal drugs right. <laughs> I do have experience with that don't you see but the thing that's weird is that we're seeing all these letters I'm like so they were together but still writing letters Be- to each other the whole reason for that was because they knew that they were going to get caught eventually mm-hmm. And they're from Virginia, you guys. Virginia, I don't know if it still does, but at the time had the death penalty. Uh And so she's saying, like, if we get caught and I get blamed for this, I'm going to be put to death. And Jens, the idiot, comes up with this great idea that he's like, you know what, baby? Remember that wild night in the jacuzzi? Yeah. It really got me thinking. Wild baby. Wild baby. (laughs) They don't call me the Jens for nothing. Hear me out. Buttercup. But Jens says to her, I'm going to say, you know what? I'm going to take the fall for this. I'm going to say that I did it because my dad is a diplomat. I've got diplomatic immunity. You won't have a media circus around your trial if they if you even get brought to trial. I'll get sent back to Germany. I'll get a couple years. I'll get out. We'll be back together. Life is going to be grand, baby, grand. Yeah. Wild, baby. Yeah. <laughs> So they're writing these letters back and forth to each other. They're not even real. They're just like he's they're concocting yeah. the story. They call it their little nasty, which is a double murder is right, what he's exactly. talking about. But they're they're sort of fake letters to each other where he's admitting to having done the murder. Right. Not a good idea. Terrible idea. Yeah. Again, geniuses. Okay. <laughs> Them and Marjorie Deal are in the fucking genius club. Give me a break. Mensa. All the way for those right. three. So then after they do this confession in London where like Jens confesses to the murder, Elizabeth is sent back to Virginia and all of a sudden like Jens gets the Dear John letter of like, girl, I'm actually really not that into you anymore. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> after they had confessed in London, she wrote Jens a letter. Elizabeth wrote Jens a letter 
severing their relationship. She said, look, I'm going to go back to Virginia. I'm going to admit to my part in my parents' death. I don't love you anymore. You know, you're on your own. So, bye. Like, she doesn't, she's like, I'm, I said I was a lesbian. I am a lesbian. This is all fake. Mm-hmm. I gotta go. And she makes a deal with prosecutors where she implicates Jens and she agrees to testify against him. Elizabeth, this is so dirty. It's so gross. And the thing is, like, when she made this deal, 40% of people who applied for parole were released. That's yeah. important to know because it ends up not being true anymore. Right. Not but at gross. the time, yeah. it was a really, really great idea for her. So we're, we're back to Elizabeth's trial in the 80s. You remember how they were cutting back and forth in time? I do. So we're back to her trial where she's in, where she's like pleading guilty or whatever. She is pleading guilty to like accessory to murder. She's not pleading guilty to the murder. Right. Accessory before the fact. Meaning like she coerced him into doing right. it. Right. So the thing is, that remember how her brothers hate her? Yeah, I do. So her brothers get, they each take the stand and say like, we don't believe this whole cockamamie story that she's making up that she wasn't there. We think she was there. We think she was in the room. We think she killed my parents. We have an obligation to society to show to people what the consequences of such a crime are. I, therefore, would want to see the most severest penalty possible. Her brother literally says, I could love my sister, give her a kiss on the forehead, and walk her over to the electric chair. Yeah. And the judge on October 8th, 1987, oh is just like, girl, same. Because she is judge, sentenced to 90 years. The judge comes out and says, like, I don't usually get bothered by this shit that I have to hear, but this shit was a, a doozy. Yeah. So, you know, she was sentenced to 90 years, two consecutive terms of 45 years. Mm-hmm. And But, like, her deal with the cops was, like, they were going to support her parole. She was supposed to be out in, like, five years. Yeah, like, the prosecutor held up his part of the deal. He, he like, really tried to get her out, but like the, the times had changed, the politics had changed and she's like not going anywhere, you guys. She's still in jail to this day. Yeah. So Jens has been threatened with the death penalty, but Europe is like, hold up. Yeah. We're not going to extradite him until the death penalty is off the table. Right. This is Europe. Anyway, they do extradite him, so apparently they do take the death penalty off the table. Right, because by January 12th, 1990, it's like the first trial to ever be broadcast from Virginia. Oh, is that like, right? That's what he said. He's oh, I like, missed that. My trial was the first to be nationally broadcast from television stations in Virginia. And I'm like, <laughs> how many times are we going to hear? This is the first time a trial was on television. We hear it all the time. Every single trial is the first but one. But I love that he was like, to be broadcast broadcast from stations in Virginia, funnily enough. <laughs> All right. So it, now we're at Jens's trial, right? Right. And the, and the family scrambles to get Jens a lawyer. And it's crazy. We've heard in other cases we've covered that, like, they try to get a lawyer from the local area because they know how to, like, navigate the politics of that state. Yeah, but instead they got Richard Neaton from Detroit. So this becomes important because apparently we're told that, like, Virginia has a very weird way that lawyers are allowed to ask questions. And Virginia has some very... Um peculiar rules about procedure, default rules, so that you can lose your opportunity to make a certain argument if you don't do it procedurally exactly the correct way. If you're not from there, you wouldn't know that. And you can totally like be disallowed from asking your line of questioning if you don't do it the right way. Right. Which is like the weirdest thing. Yeah, it seems like Virginia's stuck in a time. Right. <laughs> it's not a great time. Steve would agree with you on a lot of fronts, having spent a lot of his youth there. According to the documentary, <laughs> how they do things in a courtroom seems like it's like the land that time forgot. Right. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> They're always like, that's improper. That's right. improper. And I'm like, it's improper. <laughs> What are you saying? 
I know, I know. It, okay, let, let's get into yeah, it. Yeah. So we're going through the weekend of the murder, right? And we're told that like Elizabeth went home that weekend to settle some drug deal. Yeah, with this guy, Jim Farmer. Yeah. He was also a student at UVA. Like Jens knew him too. And so Jens tells us the story on the stand about how Liz rented a car to go meet Jim. Right. And she says to Jens, like, you got to go to the movies tonight. You got to go buy two movie tickets and go because you're going to be the alibi. Right. He doesn't necessarily know that she's going to kill her parents. What a genius. Or whatever, right? <laughs> but Jens is like, okay, I guess I'll go do that. So he buys movie tickets to a movie called Stranger Than Paradise mm-hmm. and Rocky Horror. Right. Remember how Liz's story is that he picked her up at Rocky Horror? Right, in the in the sheet with the blood all over it? Yep. Now he's telling us, no, 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 girl. It was me that went to Rocky Horror and was waiting for her. Right. So now cut to like present day, Dave Watson P.I. Yeah. is Googling this and we're getting his reaction in real time. Because he's like, what the? Ooh. Oh. Oh, okay. And then he's on the phone. He's calling. He's like trying to get James Farmer, the drug dealer, right. involved. Right, because the Jens version of what happened, which is probably what happened, is that Liz went home with this guy, James, to murder her parents. Mm-hmm. And so this PI is trying to track down this James Farmer to be be like, girl, did you by any chance go with that girl, Liz, that weekend to kill her parents? Were you there for that? Right, and so like he gets like Jim's dad on the phone. Oh, my name is Dave Watson. I'm trying to get a hold of uh, Mr. James Farmer. <laughs> you say your son is ill. Do you know how I can reach him? He, like, literally laughs at him. He's like, your son's ill, you say? Yeah, okay, girl. Uh, when can I talk to him? Uh-huh. So now we're on, like, a wild goose chase for the drug dealer. And then we and then we never find him. He dies. We never get to talk to him. Right. So now we're seeing Jens in, like, his trial. And since, like, Liz has already gone down and made a deal with prosecutors implicating him, he's like, well, fuck this. I didn't actually do it. Right. I confessed to that crime because I loved her and I thought that I'd get away with it because I would be sent back to Germany. Right. Because of my diplomatic immunity or whatever. I didn't know. None of us expected us to be here girl yeah so all of the things that they like really tried really hard to make it look like all the letters all right. of this now on the stand he's like yeah about that I, nope I, <laughs> hard no from the ends and your objective here was to tell the truth convince these jurors that you did do correct that's the truth yes you are capable of doing that right of telling the truth if you are capable of lying to protect yourself then you are most certainly capable of lying to these people to meet these charges. But that's not what I'm doing. Turns out, you guys, when you like admit to a crime and you create evidence to make it look like you did it, that shit's really hard to walk back. Oh, totally. And the prosecutor is just like throwing in his face. Like, if you're so smart, how did you fall for this? Like, right. the prosecutor's not buying it. The prosecutor is like, you definitely did this. Right. Is it an intellectual challenge for you? No, it isn't. Is it? Uh, it certainly wouldn't be a challenge for you with your intellect to to outwit me, would it? Well, I think so far you've been outwitting me. And so then, like, the defense lawyer tries to step up, and this is where we get, like, this is improper. This is improper. First, he admits to killing the parents. Now he's saying he didn't. This is improper. And it's not just proper, but it's improper. And I'm like, is improper a legal term in Virginia? The amount of times they say it, it's like they might as well be like sipping lemonade and fanning themselves. I'm like, where am I? But then we learn a little bit more about the crime scene, right? Because like there's no evidence that Jens was there. There was hair that was found that wasn't Jens's. Mm -hmm. We get an expert on the stand telling us about that. Right. There were fingerprints found at the scene that matched uh, the dad and Liz. Liz, who was clutching the absolute vodka bottle, uh-huh. which I was kind of like, oh, I, I see you, Liz. Okay, well. And then we'll find out later that there was 
two other sets of fingerprints that were unknown and did not match Jens. Right. It's all of this is is giving giving credence to the story that Liz went there with two unknown people, her accomplices, to murder the parents and pin it on Jens to get him to take the fall for it. So we're back at Jens's trial. Remember how Liz made that deal where she was going to testify against Jens? Mm-hmm. Uh, Elizabeth takes the stand. <laughs> you guys. She walks in. You guys, it's the early 90s. It's like 1990 or whatever. And she walks in with the 90s-est haircut. Yes. She looks like almost like, remember in um, I Love You Now Die when Michelle Carter came in with her, or uh-huh. with her hair? It's like the exact same haircut. Yeah. She also looks like just so much older. She does. Than him. And I'm sure that's the point, yeah. I guess. But she. It doesn't look like it's just a couple years. It looks like it's 30 years later. It looks like it's present day and it's her now. Yeah. Miss Hayson, before Mr. Soren left Washington, did you provide him with any information concerning the location of the restrictions? Yes, I did, sir. How was that? I drew him a map. You drew him a map? And they do this weird thing where we see her on the stand and the judge next to her. Yeah. And then we zoom out and it's like modern day filmmakers are in the home of the judge. Yes. Now. And they're all watching the trial tape. Yes. And we're getting this crazy dynamic where like the judge's wife is with us modern day saying how beautiful Elizabeth was. Elizabeth is beautiful. (laughs) She's a beautiful girl. He's very well dressed. Yeah, this judge sucks. Right, because we find out that the judge, you know the mom that was murdered, Elizabeth's mom? Yes. We find out that the judge was childhood friends with her brother. Yes. So he's completely biased and didn't recuse himself. And this family was was very prominent and wealthy and like he kind of didn't want to cross this family. Yeah. And so his name is William Sweeney. We hate him. Yeah. And even while his wife is like asking questions and he's like, hush now. I know, I know. You stupid woman with your small brain and your weak arms. Like he's just like, he literally is like, we don't have to talk about that. We're not going to talk about that right now and she's like but honey I just and the judge's wife by the way today she's 800 years old looks like a million bucks yeah she looks great yeah can't ask a question (laughs) don't speak until spoken to (laughs) he sucks so towards the end of the movie, right, it sort of becomes a little bit of like, now there's like a, a shocking twist where right. maybe they can find another person who was involved. Mm-hmm. Because we get this story. One of the one of the detectives tracks down this guy, Tony Buchanan, and he's got this story. Oh, doesn't he ever? <laughs> he's like a mechanic or whatever. He's like such a local, like, color, as he's they would call character. it. He's like, such he's a, a card. Yeah. He's such a card. <laughs> but he's got this story of, like, the weekend of the murder, Liz showed up to his, like, body shop with a car full of blood and not yens a guy right. but it was not yens right oh and there was a gun in the car right yes. <laughs> i'm just like tony where have you been right and so again like liz showed up at this guy's body shop because they're like oh girl could you clean all the blood out of the car we got to return this to the rental place right and i'm like tony sweetheart i know did you make a police report back in the day right or did you just clean the car and get rid of the gun because now 30 years later this P.I. is showing Tony Buchanan a picture of Liz from back then. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, that was her. That was definitely her. This is the girl, as far as I'm concerned, was in a shop. They had to sit there in front of me for at least 30 minutes. The guy who signed, his hair had maybe a highlight in it, or his hair was funny. This is the guy I'm thinking was in a shop. Looks like the guy was in the shop. And the guy, he had hair. It was funny. It, had like, it was like six cans of hairspray to make it stand up. It was one of those kinds of guys. Right. And so so then like the, the PI is pulling out like other pictures of people that Liz knew at the time. And he's like, oh, yeah, it was that guy. It was that guy. And we see the photo and the face is blurred out. Right. He's known as Ned B. So now the PI guy goes on a manhunt. 
for this guy, Ned B. What we find out is that, like, Liz and this guy, Ned B, and that other guy. Jim Baker, the drug dealer. The drug dealer all knew each other because they were members of what club, Jillian, at UVA? The gay club. The gay club! The gay club! I totally stood, I sat up a little bit straighter. I was like, hold on a second. These are all the gays? Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. (laughs) So they're trying to track down this guy, Ned B, like, truly, to be like, hey, were you with that girl, Liz, the night that she murdered her parents? Dear Mr. You may be aware that a witness, Tony Buchanan, was shown a picture of you and he recognized you as the person who came to pick up a car that contained a bloody knife that was placed in the front seat. So Dave Watson PEI is like, I'm on it, you guys. I got this. <laughs> so he goes to track down Ned at the hotel he works at. You guys, this is, he finds out where Ned works today. Yeah, he's a PI. He knows what he's doing. He googled it. So he goes to the front desk. This woman who's like, oh, camera crew. She's lovely. She's like the <laughs> nicest woman on the block. Like, she totally is. She would totally pick up your mail for you if you're on vacation. Like, yep. she's just lovely. And she's all smiles. She's at the front desk really doing her job. So the PI walks over to her. I'm trying to contact Ned is he here by any chance? Not here today. And then the PI just tells her the entire story. Like the double murder, the bloody car, the gun, the gay club. And he's like telling her everything. And the smile just suddenly, slowly is like, what the? It's about a case where two people were killed. The people that have been arrested and charged with that are in prison for life and everything. He won't know what it's about. He is obviously not in any trouble whatsoever. So if he can give me a call, if I'm still in the area, I'll stop by and have a beer with him. Okay. Wasn't he a bird watcher or something? He's a bird watcher. Yes, he is. All right. This is a guy that she works with that she's probably known for 20 years. And so what what the PI is trying to do is like gain trust with this woman and like have a rapport. She's like that sweet old queen that works at the concierge desk? Right. Because then he's like, I know I just told you about the murder and the blood and everything. He's not in any trouble. Look, I just want to grab a beer with him. So here's where he can find me. And uh, yeah. And then then Dave is literally like, oh, Mondays, am I right? I've been going through this crap all day long, you know? All right. And like really trying to charm her. I know. It's like in spite of himself is telling her about the double murder and like right. you know, what, a, what a tragic, horrible, gruesome case this is. Uh-huh. Mondays, am I right? And then he leaves and then it cuts to Jens's lawyer. And she's like, oh, look, this Ned B guy sent me an email. And this email from Ned B, the old queen that works at the concierge uh-huh. desk, is like, girl, I don't know what you're talking about. I am not getting involved in this. Leave me alone. Mrs. Ball, I have no intention of becoming embroiled in this matter. I know nothing about the murders, and I have no opinion about the murders. I have nothing else to say in this matter. Good day, ma'am. Right. He's mad. Wants nothing. To I've got to get it. to my mad day of Haiti sound. Get out of here. Get out of here. So now Yen's father takes the stand with 85 pieces of paper at least. Right. Say your name, please, sir. Sorry. You are the father of the defendant, Yen Sorn? Yes. I'd like to show you some documents. He's so sort of like just out of sorts, as my mom would say right. on the stand, that we cut to Jens and Jens is laughing about right. it. All of these papers, 85 pieces of paper. He's like Susan Simpson who with right. her papers, please. I got plenty. His dad looks utterly terrifying. Yeah. Like they, he is a torture basement. If anybody has one, it's this guy. Like that's why Jens was like, dude, we're totally going to get off. Have exactly. you seen my dad? Have you seen my dad? We got this. Yeah. And it, it basically ends with Jens gets convicted. He also 
also gets like two life sentences to be served consecutively. Right. So like, this was my confusion. Like, wait, they both got convicted of the murder, but neither one is saying they were doing the murder with the other one. Right. And that's not what happened. No. She got convicted of conspiracy. Yes. And he got convicted of the actual murder. Yeah, she's an uh, accessory before the fact. Right. So the whole, so yeah, all Jens wants at the end of this whole thing is to be like, he wants to be extradited to Germany. Right. Because like if he goes to Germany, like they'll probably let him out soon. And he's thinking like if I, he actually says and it's in German, we can't play it. Ned's dream is to go to Germany and sell alarms. He wants yeah. to be an alarm salesman. He's like, who better than a guy who's been in jail with hardened criminals for 30 years? Yeah, he's like, I know. I know. I'll make a pretty nice business for myself. <laughs> I'll be pretty comfortable. I won't be like extravagantly rich, but I think I can make a nice comfortable living. <laughs> but then it doesn't happen. No. So Tim Kane, remember Tim Kane? Of course. Whatever. So he is like, all right, I'm going to send Jens to Germany. Like it's a done deal. Papers are signed, whatever. Yeah. But then the same day he signs those papers, some Republican gets elected and Liz is like, okay, girl, after 21 years of not saying anything about Jens or the case, Liz decides once this Republican is in office and Jens like might be going home. Yeah. She speaks out and she's like, hey, uh, Jens is super guilty. Don't let him go. And the Republican's like, okay, crazy. You got it. (laughs) And totally undoes what Tim Kaine did, which if you think about how tragic and heartbreaking that is, he's out the door. And oh. some guys like, never mind. And so here we are. Jens is still in prison here, still speaking German and not a word of English. Yep. That guard that was bored at the beginning is still bored at the end of the interview. Yeah. It ends with like Jens getting up and leaving the interview and we get all this on-screen text. Yeah, about like how terrible Virginia is being like they won't let him have any more interviews with the film crew. Like they don't want Jens telling his story. No. And that's really, really effed up. And Liz has had like all umpteen like parole requests. They've all been denied. She was supposed to get out in 92. Yeah, right. Remember that? Yeah, she's not going to be eligible, I think, again until she's like in her late 60s. Right. And everything just sucks. It's like, we, it sucks. like, we know he's not guilty, but he's going to just rot in jail. Yeah. And like, was justice done? I mean, I guess like Liz is in prison, but Jens is right. too. But also Jens like was okay with the killing. I'm, it's very complicated, you guys. <laughs> it's very complicated. Very, it's a weird job. Very complicated. I don't know what to tell you. Girl, we did it. I did not know how we were going to do that one. That was, a, that was for me, was a really hard one. It was really hard. It took me the longest to watch it than, it than a documentary ever has. And I have more pages of notes than I ever have. You guys, just a reminder, if you want more of Julian and me, get in the Patreon. You can Please. hear our episode by episode coverage of everything. Yeah. Serial, Staircase, yeah. Mega Murderer. All those, all those series that you want us to cover, they're all on the Pates. Right. <laughs> Netflix, get on making more true crime series because right. we need them for the Pates. <laughs> you guys, it's like over a hundred full, truly full bonus episodes. Episodes oh, ad yeah. free to download right the second. Yep. And then there's the, the regular episodes ad free. You know what's there. You know, the after party, you got ringtones, whatever you want. Come on, patreon.com slash true crime obsessed yep. or go to our website, click on the Patreon link. Yeah. Girl, what are we doing next? We're doing Tell Me Who I Am on Netflix. You guys, I know a little bit about this story. This American Life did a story on it a couple years ago. This story is crazy. Yeah, it's brand new on Netflix. We already have a ton of requests for it yeah. because people were like, oh shit. Uh, where can they find us? At True Crime Obsessed Podcast on Instagram and True Crime Obsessed on Twitter and truecrimeobsessed.com for the rest of your needs. They can find you at Jillian with a G and all the things. Mine is so much easier. Um, <laughs> you you are at Patrick Hines underscore on Instagram uh-huh. and at Patrick Hines on Twitter. <laughs> you guys stay tuned for the trailer for Tell Me Who I Am and our hilarious and just lovely outtakes. Okay, lovely TM, even. Tim, 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 Tim. Yes, TM means trademark. Trademark, yeah. We get that question all the time. Yeah. We love you. We love you. Okay, bye. Bye. It's trademark. Tim, Tim, Tim. We love you. We love you. Bye. Thank you. 
I remember opening my eyes and looking around the room. I instantly recognised my twin brother and I just said, hello, Marcus. But it started to dawn on me that I didn't know where I was. I didn't know what happened to me. I didn't even know my own name. Everything had gone. There was so much to learn. If he hadn't known who I was, then he would have been all alone in the world. But he wasn't alone in the world, he had me. I started piecing things together. He would give me a photo, and I would construct a memory around that, and life seemed good. Privileged family, normal parents. He painted an idyllic picture. But I was never questioning anything. I had no reason to doubt it. I, from day one, painted a picture of a normal family, but none of that was true. It was a fantasy that I was creating for him. How could we have secrets? We don't have secrets. The one person that I absolutely trusted has betrayed me. I just cried and cried for days. I have been lying for 20 years. I was too much of a coward. I don't know who I am. My life is not real. My life is the one you gave me. I've never told a living soul about what happened. But we're here now. Here we are. This is really my true self, I think. Just, like, mad. I just, I really want to know the genesis of the 36 months, 48 months thing. 14,087 months, I'll never get over it. I think it's so ridiculous. I just, I'll never stop talking about it. I will never stop talking about it. Imagine getting that letter in the mail. Imagine getting a letter in the mail. He now has plans to kill her parents. He writes it in the letter, uh-huh. allegedly. He's turning more and more into a Christ figure, uh-huh. which is always a big red flag. <laughs> Ladies, <laughs> gentlemen, are you listening? Yeah, everyone in the just anything where it's like, I feel like Christ now. Right. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Never a good idea. Nope. He's like, he says, it made me think of you weirdly. Um, <laughs> made you think of me? Yes, because he's like, that nasty thing we did might be too much to deal with, but like some real good sexing is going to help you out with that. <laughs> They're doing the sex, you guys. They're doing. They're sexing it. <laughs> they're sexing each other, and they're writing about it. She was Liz's roommate in college. Roommate, and in quotes, in the way that like your mom's brother had a roommate like in the 1960s, and, and they only still had roommates. And today. they're still roommates, and, and they, they only had lo- one bed and a lot of dogs. <laughs> and, a lot. and that they owned that antique shop together. And, like, gave you the coolest birthday present. Totally, yeah. and we're way more fun. And one of them else. was for sure named Bruce. 